0: Uh, several times, even though we've <laughs> we've introduced ourselves again uh, this morning, uh, that goes with the gray hair. Uh, so, um, <clears throat> but what I'm going to do is just ask uh, ask you all uh, these these questions, which you probably cannot read. Okay, and this is kind of a brief survey, and it's sort of to help me get to know you a little better, but also to frame our discussion. All right, so. Um, <clears throat> How many of you are in school? One of you is... Uh, alright, so one, two, three, four. Just teaching. Come on in. <laughs> alright. All right. So, Jacobson's a little dig. Yeah, I'm in school. school. And, cool. and, Still. And, um, forever. Forever, <laughs> right. Well, so okay, we'll, we'll go with that for the line and find part of where this is going. So, alright. Once again, uh, <clears throat> just a show of hands, how many are in school? Okay, you don't have to. Wait, what did he say? What? School. Still, go. Uh, right. In. All right. All right. So, back in school. <laughs> well, yeah. So I mean, in school, you know, back in school, whatever. All right. And so, where along the trail? Okay. Uh, just graduated, bachelor's. Yes. Okay. All right. So intended to go back to the school. Had advanced degree? Not yet. Okay. Not, not yet.
1: Yeah, I've got a job lined up.
0: Okay. Good. Good for you. Alright, so, um, how long have y'all, you who are in school, how long have you been in school? <laughs> I heard forever. Oh, <laughs> forever, <laughs> forever, <laughs> forever is a long sorry. time. Or, or. <laughs> Don't care to say. Mm-hmm. Most people around three to four years. Mm-hmm.
1: Right yeah. That's a complicated question for me, because I've been taking college classes for, four years, but I'm
0: a junior because I started taking classes when I was in high school, so... Right, right. So, yeah, courses are good, aren't they? So, yeah. eventually it should shorten the, you know, it should, should kind of shorten things for you. So, all right. So, <clears throat> um, I'm going to put up here, it sounds like, you know, four plus, and there's some pluses kind of sitting towards the back, right? All right. And so, Jeffrey's already told us that he's got a job lined up. Okay, Not only graduation, but job. That's that's great. All right. So, um, is your job, is your training going to
1: be focused on that job you've taken? Uh, within the next year or so, I will have a job in that field. But right now, I'm going full-time where I am. Okay.
0: Great. Great, great. And that's not <coughs> a comment. Okay. And I'll kind of pack that here in a second. All right. So, all right. So, training for a job, training in the field, sometimes you park it for a while and then move into the field in different ways. Okay, so we've already answered this for you, and I, I think you may be the only one who's kind of celebrating this December, you know, like, uh, <laughs> See know, you still in the rear view. Okay. So, um, how many of you currently are working full-time? I and also works full-time, yeah, okay, all right, so about three get the other. All right. And so, how many of you are actually working in the field in which you train? Okay. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Twenty more. one. Okay. So, how many of you expect to be working in the field in which you train, or in the field you train in? Okay. Ten years from now. Good. All right, the numbers are building here. All right, so the next two weeks, uh, what what I want to do is is kind of introduce some ideas about the biblical view of, and maybe you can discern what the W is here. Uh Work. Okay. All right, and. (laughs) Vocation. And there's a B word there. Vocation. Uh, vacation. Vocation. Yeah. yeah, Vacation. <laughs> have better. Uh, vacation. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> vocation. All right. And we'll unpack those words um, a little different. Uh, in a different manner here. All right. So I'm going to bore you for just a second with uh, uh, a little bit about me. And this is not to lean on my suspenders. This is just to kind of identify and to illustrate a little bit about why we ask these questions and why they're important. Okay, so, um, I think I can probably say I've been in school, I'll be longer than any of you will be or want to be. Okay, all right. so, here it goes. Uh, grew in a construction family in Lowick, Texas. My dad's a bricklayer. Didn't graduate high school. Encouraged me to go into school. Okay. Um, dad wanted me to be the proverbial jack of all trades and even master the you know the, the turn of phrase. So uh, not only do I learn masonry, farming out to carpenters, plumbers, electricians, even my wife loves them. I'm pretty darn handy. I can fix my things. And if I can't fix it, I usually know who to call and can size up who's going to do a good job. So those are important skills, particularly in living with a wife where lots of things break and she has no clue about how they should be fixed or get fixed. Okay, so. All right. So. I was encouraged to do one in school, um, and uh, I wasn't a lot of money for college, so I was told to look around for the best scholarship I could find, okay? <clears throat> and with the encouragement of my uncle, uh, you know, I signed a contract with the United States Army as an ROTC scholarship cadet, okay? Enrolled in Texas Tech State Home, <clears throat> okay? And uh, what a deal, you know, with the scholarship. They're going to pay for my education and then guarantee my employment afterwards. Okay. What a deal. Automatic job. Sign on the line. Okay. All right. So, that was how I started my academic career. So, what if, what do you do if you're a kid who likes to build things, work with your hands, you know, do some things in construction? Uh, pretty bookish, like math and science, but go and study engineering. Okay. So, I study the physical sciences and engineering. So took a graduate uh, degree actually uh, took an educational de- uh, delay and took a graduate degree in chemical engineering so um all sounded fine and you know stepped into uniform and uh, began getting calls from the army i had orders in hand you know you step in the uniform they, they give you orders well in advance and so uh stepped into uniform <clears throat> but about um, coincident with that before i actually reported to the you know, the first duty station, I, I got some calls from uh, this colonel and he says, Your name popped out of computer. And I said, Oh, well, what does that mean? You know, <laughs> he says, Well, we want to interview you. I said, Why would you want to do that? This is the army, you know, <laughs> you got me. Yeah. <laughs> what you was know, what, what, what all that about? I said, no, no, we want to interview you to see if we want to change your orders uh, because we think you can help us in, in a slightly different way. And I said, Okay, uh, you know, and so we followed that trail. So, I'd actually done a thesis uh, in respirable aerosols. My major prof in chemical engineering was an air pollution guy. And uh, so, um, that was of interest to the Army for reasons you'll see here in a sec. So, at any rate, um, I went and gave a seminar on my research and so yeah, I, would, I would like to change orders. And so, in the Army's wisdom, they me in Medical Research and Development Command and told me, here's your job, okay, a technically challenging but next to impossible one." We want you to make war safe. <laughs> okay, so now you know all of these issues around you know warfare. It's not a very pleasant thing. Okay, God forbid we have to do it. You know, there's biblical basis for some of that. That's not the discussion here. But basically, I was okay with that job, uh, and uh, within the medical medical framework, uh, I could see well, hmm, you know, I'm going to actually help people hopefully. So the army's Combat developers are in the business of creating the most devastating devices the mind can conceive of. But you have to teach a transient workforce—those who maybe are coming in the uniform to get the college money—to okay, operate these devices safely. Okay. So kind of mind-boggling, kind of kind of uh, antithetical. But basically, what we were doing is looking at prototype weapon systems, candidate munitions, and other kinds of things, and trying to make sure that. No one was shooting themselves in the foot. You can shoot the other guy. You don't want to shoot yourself. Okay. And so most of what I did um, uh, was create intentional air pollution. My major prop was a, was a, an air pollution guy. And so this is technology. If you've kind of followed the news, with with a little bit, you know, of a uh, you know an understanding of some of these things that that the systems, many of which are, are fielded. You know, many years ago. worked fairly well. So here's the idea. How on the modern battlefield they have smart weapons, so-called smart weapons, laser designators, millimeter wave radars, IR signatures, all this kind of stuff. And as an engineer, I was trying to, you know, work with that kind of thing, but also do some things about respirable aerosols. So what you do to block down or attenuate those smart weapons is you create intentional air pollution. Device uh, or a type of munition known as smokes and They're out mounted on armor. There are other kinds of ways to disseminate them, but you put a molecule in the line of sight that is resonant with that target acquisition bandwidth, and you attenuate it. Okay. The problem with that is it was never meant to be breathed. So what you want are the most effective molecules in the line of sight to defeat that weapons system, if you will, and the most innocuous ones. Okay. So, interesting thing happened there. I got very interested in pulmonary medicine. I met my first occupational physicians, industrial hygienists, safety engineers, human factors engineers. This was much different than the engineering training that I had that pretty fascinating. So I was rubbing shoulders with a lot of folks, from you know a lot of other kinds of, other kinds of engineers, a lot of other kinds of disciplines, but the medical types that were interfacing with the combat development community, kind of fascinated me. So I got very interested in learning medicine. At the end of four years, my payback time, I had a guaranteed job now, but it was you know, year for year, uh, and the educational delay, so I only incurred, I, I did the educational delay on my own, but I only incurred my bachelor's. bachelor's Obligation. So at the end of four years, my payback time, I was making noises about uh, going uh, back to school, you know, uh, maybe in industrial hygiene, maybe in medicine. My wife or the wife, who says, with our first daughter in tow, well, come on, you know, why don't you go figure out if you're a chemical engineer at the park? So, I went into the chemical industry for a number of years, and process engineer technical superintendent, and uh, realized that the army had ruined me, okay? <laughs> and so, at the ripe old age of 32, I drove a wife and two kids at that point back to medical school residency okay, training in occupational medicine. Right? Mm-hmm. So after that, you know, big career change, and frankly, I've got more people out of that big career change okay, than into it. Okay, um, a lot of wear and tear on relationships, and so uh, Sandy and I are in our 39th year, and. Uh, but there was a point in time, quite frankly, where I wouldn't have given you a plug nickel for a marriage. So people start, you know, making noises about um, career changes or radical career changes. I say, hey, you know, let's go to dinner and I'll tell you some things people won't tell You know, because, you know, starting in your 30s uh, to practice medicine is, is is a pretty big deal. So not only did I agree that, and, and here's part of the story, and I'll just back up for a second. Once I sort of got on that trail, it was like, ah, medicine. I went to a place where the, the mentor I had, a very good guy, but uh, he, he had ambition and spades for me. You know, he wanted me to be one of his fair-haired boys and hang around for a while. Back when I here, <laughs> and uh, so, uh, all of that's good when whisper- people are whispering those kinds of things in your ears. And uh, so... I had signed up to do a dual residency program, uh, and fellowship training in pulmonary and a PhD in epidemiology, and I was gonna stay there at the University of Iowa, and you know, like I said, I you know, have an academic career. The problem was I began to look at all of that, several little stumbling blocks along the way, and I realized that the, the chief one was this. And I can remember very, very clearly a, a time in prayer in the study Carroll, in the Heart Health Sciences Library at the University of Iowa, where I was just kind of counting the cost and reflecting. And uh, I realized that if I did all those things that I'd been talked into and kind of signed on the dotted line for, that I was going to kiss this daughter born in the, in the Army, uh, my oldest daughter, goodbye for college. So I need to up before this happens. Okay. All right. So I began to face off my own ambition and trying to understand, okay, how does this all fit together? And so this is probably the first serious moment where, where I pondered what we're going to talk about over the next couple of years, work and vocation. So fast forward, uh, I've, I've made a lot of stops at occupational medicine. I'm, I'm out here in East Texas uh, for two reasons. One, uh, our two daughters are now having our grandkids. And so, West Texas guy, when the dirt gets in your craw, you still consider yourself a West Texan. The second state is far or- spark. And uh, driving from West Texas, my wife uh, you know, has got a, a refrain every time. She says, oh, and, you know, when things start turning green again, you know, as you travel down the road She goes, Thank you, thank you, thank you, Texas. So I'm out here working for a peach of a guy that I've known for about twenty five years, turned out an opportunity to work for them, uh, work for him uh, you know, in the early nineties. And um, uh, when we started talking about me coming out here this go round. I'm not going to make the same mistake twice. Uh, I'm in. So what I get to teach is, um, I, I'm an associate professor at the Health Science Center, and what I get to teach is occupational medicine. And what I was introduced to in the Army is, is a field where it really looks at the hazards in the workplace, okay, and how to make the workplace safe, which is an important thing because in many workplaces, uh, there are hazards. So parts of three days a week, I sit down as the medical director over at Texas Eastman under a contract through through the Health Science Center. And I'm happy as a clam. I'm a chemical engineer who, who's an occupational physician. So I can I can talk to the, you know, to everyone, okay, meaningfully. All right. And I understand I understand the problems. Not only that, I get to teach residents. We have a residency program, so I get to teach that. I'm very interested in work on many levels, okay? Very interested in how people work, how to make work safe on many levels. But probably the most important level to examine the things that drive work, okay, is this biblical view that I'm talking about, all right? So I'll give you kind of the technical spectrum. Now, I'm, you know, I'm going to push the pause button here and, and we'll, we'll touch on this so um, I've told you a lot of things about me, and one of the things that I, 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 I have to say, you know, right now, is, are you, gonna, are, are you impressed? Don't be, okay? Do you think God's impressed? You know, is he, is, is he looking down and going, wow, you know, look at what this guy is No, 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 he's really not, because everything, everything that I've employed, the years, the experiences I've had, and, and many poor decisions and almost catastrophic decisions along the way, okay, are using the gifts of game. Okay. And and to reflect on that I really understand that it is kind of repellent. Okay. So now you know why I'm pretty pretty interested in this topic from, from a lot of different directions. And I spend my day, okay, thinking about how people work, how people work safely. Uh, how do I better convey issues around work? And so, very naturally, I would want to come and talk about the biblical perspective of work. Huh? Okay. All right. And there's some interesting stuff here. So let's talk real quickly about some definitions. A time check here, and we may not get through everything that <clears throat> I wanted to. So, what is work? Okay. Those of you who have had some science, uh, you know. Uh, team, um, the physics <coughs> definition over here. So just playfully put that up. All right. Force acting through distance, and so I, I really did it in generic. So that could be a you know that's a scalar quantity there, could be a vector. But so here's the point. Okay, work. Okay, what is work? See the physics the physics definition tells us the force acting through different distance. So if you if you've got to do something. You start applying the full force and you're going to move it, okay? That definitely is some work. And depending on how heavy it is and how big you are, it could be a lot of work or not very much work, okay? So that's the physical definition of work. And so that's pretty close to what we probably would would put there. But there's some nuances that, that I think are important. So anything that requires effort... Anything that actually requires toil or labor or even suffering okay, is work. And so a lot of people will talk about their work in terms that are akin to suffering. You know, <laughs> but there is a sense in which that's, really, that's really true. <coughs> right. Um I can guarantee you what I know about warfare, um, you know, I, I... Thankfully, have not had to do that job. I have tried to improve that job for those who do it, but it's it's an ugly job. All right. So, those who bear arms uh, at times will suffer uh, greatly. All right. So, we also use a term called O. It starts with an O. should say. Yeah, As a short O. It's just an but It wouldn't have made sense. Okay, so occupation. All right, so occupation from occupy. So if you have a job, you fill it. Okay, the headhunter would say, "We're going to fill this job." You know, So I have a son-in-law who's now a pastor who used to be a headhunter, there used to be a placement guy. Uh, you know, uh, when I first met him, he was really worried about how he was going to fill the job. So that is that is the sense of occupation. Okay, all right, occupation. I occupy a job. Um. We're gonna talk quite a bit this, over the next couple of weeks about Luther and his idea because he probably has some of the best ideas in terms of what work is all about. But <clears> these <throat> uh it's a German term, so this what this is in Okay. So your standing or your position. Okay. And we that's um, that's a use that's a pretty pretty good uh uh, definition still what it usually means in, in German. Okay. All right, um, and then someone uh, supplied this this um, this word here, vocation. Okay, vocation, and this is a word that has been trampled down by culture. Okay, and we're going to attach its its initial or original meaning. So if you can read the little, you know. Uh, so, just a little side note here about me. since I've already told you a whole lot. Uh, this is one that I kind of pull out. <clears throat> I'm printing. I'm doing the best I can. Believe it or not, I learned that, you know, i you you doing the all I can. Medicine and all that. And then you worry, you know, you think about, it, you know, well, what do they do? You give these guys, you know, uh, handwriting, you know, uh, down, down-dumbing somehow. <laughs> a distant relative of mine. Rowlett uh, is the father of cryptography. He led the Army Signal Team that broke the Japanese code in World War II. So I just tell people it's in the genes. I am writing code, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, usually it's a good excuse. Okay. So <laughs> if you read the little deal here, it's Latin. And uh, so Boccacio. Okay. So what was what was the Vocari is, is is the verb form here. But so what what is the meaning? What's the etymology? That's the, the root of the word. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Calling uh, the Latin scholar back here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yes, it's so. calling. we get like vocal. Right? Vocal, right? Voice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Even like I don't know. You're you ask my was, etymology. Well
1: I know that i
0: wow. yeah. Well, so the calling though, is, and just to be on safe ground, I, we we can all go and look that up and maybe those who are sitting back to back iPhones can do that right now and correct me. But, you know, <laughs> <incorrect>. but this, <laughs> this this means calling in its original sense. And so right now, you know, if I say to you, okay, I I, uh, I advise my nephew to go to vocational school. What is the meaning behind that? It's not like a two-year training in a specific area. Two-year training in a specific area, usually trade, mm-hmm. you know, kind of training. All right. So that's not at all uh, that's not at all the the, the meaning originally attached to vocation this word it truly meant a call a calling so who were the first people that claimed this word okay that that had a calling okay? if I if I told you that I met a guy and I, you know he has a high calling what would you think? that would be you know, a pretty pretty good choice so the clergy uh <clears throat> in the Middle Ages, uh, really camped on this work, okay? And uh, uh, for the medieval times, the only people who were thought to have a calling were the clergy, were the were the priests, okay? And that was a calling from God. Um, and part of the reason we're going to talk a bit about Luther and, and what all this is about uh, you know, through through the lens that he provided is he was the first one who use calling for ordinary occupations, okay? and basically said very appropriately that the calling is no less for anyone else, non-clergy, you know. And he he will 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 I was going to pass out some stuff and uh, will will we'll camp on that a bit here as we move along. Okay, so, um, and one other term here that we're going to, you know, really get we're gonna get into more next week, but um, this too, uh, and I'm kind of going through the, filling in the blanks here. Um, you know, I have two degrees that in the common parlance, you know, uh, would be considered Professional okay. degrees, right? And an engineering degree, you know, degree in medicine. What do we mean when we say professional? Where does that come from? Pull off the yeah, AL, okay, professional. Does profession mean anything in any other sense? What does a professional profess?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: you should, yeah, because because those are very linked, very well defined. a professor
2: teach and from his experience.
0: And from his experience, right. right? So the the initial meaning or original meaning about professional again was attached to the clergy. And so what, what is it that someone does if they become a, and there's lots of euphemisms here, a man of the cloth okay? So I'm talking about that because many would wear a vestry or those kinds of things, it's not in our tradition, but what would they do? Would there be some kind of ordination or something that happens, and what would that be about? And yeah. yeah, so it would be about taking vows. Okay. <laughs> so a professional in the in its, an, in it's an original meaning was was really applied primarily to the clergy and was about the vows. So they profess, okay, those vows. I will hold myself, you know, in this way. I will keep myself in this way. Now. You know, in our tradition, it's more about ordination and, and those types of things, which is, is very much the same, but it was a little more of a formal proceeding. And, and in different church uh, traditions, it is more of a, a formal proceeding. So, what do we mean when we say someone is a professional, you know, and a you know, physician, an engineer, maybe, you know? So, I didn't go ahead and get my. Uh, engineering license. So you're actually licensed and you have a PE, so you can sign PE if your name is MD. I have a medical license, but most engineers don't go and get a license. They work by virtue of their training and experience. But if you're going to be a signatory for certain kinds of things, it actually is required okay, uh, that you have someone who can sign PE. So most companies, large companies, engineering and construction companies, will have a certain set of guys who, who actually are usually reviewers of all the plans and their site. <clears and throat> the it's PEs. So, what is it then that, you know, ties into licensure and so forth? Well, what you're professing is the code of ethics in the current, in the current framework. Okay. All right. Now, the reason I'm, I'm, I'm just... Pulling this out is and, and sort of the, the longitudinal meaning of the terms is we're going to link them all to these notions that are biblical. I hope you kind of see that as framework. All right, so um, just do the time check here. There's a lot of questions here that I have. Uh, so what I think I'm going to do is um, I'm going to hand out um, I'm going to hand these out. I think I've got enough for everyone. These are the notes. That and they're kind of truncated. I'll get my, my sources there. But it's also got the scriptures up on the board, but it's got all these questions, okay? And so um, I'll invite you to start looking up the scriptures. and I couldn't get all of them on the board. And uh, so uh, we may not do justice to everything that I've got on this sheet. so we'll pick up wherever we, you know, wherever we need to here. But let's go ahead and let's go ahead and look at the scriptures here. And uh, so uh has someone turned to Genesis 26? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, I
1: told you I could write in code. <laughs> um, then God said, let us make man in our, in our image after our likeness, and let him let them have dominion over the fish, the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done.
0: Okay. All right. So, uh, and I apologize. I it's a typo, and I actually pulled it up on the board. But thanks. Uh, yeah, we did want to read uh, that many chapters. So. Uh, so, did God work in creation? New Testament tells us that Christ, you know, actually was the agent of creation. So it's a Trinitarian action here from Genesis, and, and, and actually we see it here in verse say It says this, you know, uh, this plural is actually real. Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and you know, it is it is a, a wonderful creative act. And it's and it's sequential and longitudinal. So, does this look like work? <clears throat> so, um, the physician that I like a lot is Dick Swenson, writes books now. He's not practicing. He writes really good books but, uh, and does videos and stuff. But one of those videos, uh, based on one of his book, <clears throat> um, Based on his books, he says, you know, God spoke and 10 to the 97, tons of matter showed up. Okay, it's mind-boggling. Okay, that's the number. So, it, you know, that's just what we can, we can estimate what we're going to see. So does it sound like work? <laughs> you know, it says work in 2-2, and that's the reason we reached out and got the other. And so it says, uh, you know, and he rested on the day from all the work he had done. Let me ask you this, Do you think God was tired? He had, to work, he, he had to rest after he was working? No. No, he really didn't. So he was setting a pattern, okay. and this is pregnant with meaning, and we'll, we'll look back and, and kind of plumb, plumb the depths of this. But, <clears throat> so the first question there that you see is, um, you know, what were the tasks given to mankind? And there's kind of a litany of tasks there. So pick it up in verse twenty-eight. <coughs> what well, is you know what sort of subdued mean? If if uh you know you just heard some someone say, so, you know, uh <coughs> he subdued an opponent. Taking control Taking control. It's it's a strong word, okay. It really is there. It's not just the rendering. It is taking control. It is almost adversarial. Okay. Contention. Which implies that there's some resistance. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so we're to be fruitful and multiply until yeah, now so. So let's, let's back up here for a second. God made man, okay, woman, and all the creation, and then gave man a job description. Okay. Here, here's what I want you to do. Now, could God have have created all men out of the dust of the earth? He, he an issue. But, but he didn't choose to do that. He, he gave us, as his image bearers, a role in filling the earth and subduing it. Okay. A lot of people have camped on that. You can read a lot of different things. on, on to his death, But, simply to say, he gave us meaningful work. He worked. It's very clear from scripture that he did. And he gave us meaningful work. He didn't just hand it. Okay. All right. um, and a lot of people look at the fall. We didn't pull up this passage, you know, where you know the scripture the scripture says, you know, you're gonna, you know, we're gonna sword of your brow, and you know, the horns are gonna come and all this. And so, well, you know, work is cursed. you know, you'll hear that in vernacular, <laughs> you know, I'm cursed by work. But this is pre-fall. And so work is really not the curse. Work is really not the curse. In fact, very plainly, God worked. God didn't sin. You see what I'm saying? So those are not really lean. Sometimes people want to lean, but they're not. So, one, God worked pre-fall. God gave us meaningful work. He had manifold options <laughs> you know clearly he's got and yet he gave us meaningful work all right um and he set a pattern about how we are to approach work are we to work all the time Red. right and there's a whole there's a whole um Sort of things that we could talk about in terms of the sabbath principle and, and the teaching you know so that that too right here at the beginning is is, uh, is pregnant with meaning and, and implication all right so let's make sure we've uh, so uh what were the tasks given to mankind what capacity was man performing these tasks we touched on that you know so uh, it is meaningful work uh, um and uh you know when you when you apply a force to move an object through a distance, that's spoiled labor, at work. That's really the physical meaning. God 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 the physical work. and every law of physics I study, okay, He orchestrated, okay, and, and in a harmonious fashion we discovered them. Call so, Anyway. Um, interesting, you know, the earliest scientists, just as just a quick comment here, the, the earliest scientists, so, so first of all, I should say it even stronger. Science came out of Western Europe in and in a thoroughly Christian understanding of the world, because of God's creative act and an understanding that God created an ordered universe. Kepler wrote in his journals working out the laws of planetary motion God I am thinking your thoughts after you. So that was the understanding that people had up until the modern age and so, so the point I'm trying to make here is science itself the true inquiry that of, of what was God doing in creation okay? was the purview um, of Christians. Christians invented universities. So when you graduate from one, you'll hardly have anyone tell you that that was really what happened, that that really is the history behind it. And you have to look no further than than the cornerstone at Harvard, which they don't want people to unearth and read its description, but I'll leave that to you. So let's get on to the second scripture here. And uh, this is in Colossians 3. Uh, And this, I think, is uh, uh, a lengthy passage. And uh, this does go down to 4. It's actually 3. What have I got here? That should be 3.16 through 4.1. So it is a lengthy passage. And it does go to 4. So I see I've got lots of titles here. So you can correct So 316-41, who who would read that?
2: Oh, well. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men-pleasers, pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Okay,
0: thank you. So, <clears throat> 17 and 21, particularly, if you're in on those, uh, who are we actually working okay, for? Lord. Um, we're working for God. Okay. Yeah. you know, it's not what the, the song lyrics say. You know, working for the man every night and day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so again, there is a, there is a cultural message that saturates our thinking that was pretty much apart from the scripture. It isn't. Okay. And even in this day, Paul was writing, partly because the appearances of things sometimes were what we see in our songwriters. So, we are working for God and we need to view our work in that way. And this is over and over in the passages that we read here. Um, the second question I ask around this is, what are the vocations listed? And then the following question is: Would these vocations, or would these be vocations in the common Act? In other words, what I'm saying here is: Would all of these be vocations? Now, a lot of people look at this and say, bond servants and masters—that's pretty close to, you know, employer-employee relationship. Okay. But what about all these other things? This isn't the same passage that Paul was talking. about. So, what, what are these? What are these locations? The wife. Husband, wife, children, fathers. Okay. All of those are vocations. Now, no one, you know, no one is typically going to employ you in that type of vocation, right? It is nonetheless a calling. So that's part of the reason that our our use of Vocation is wrong in in the in the common vernacular. They are all callings in that sense, but they are certainly not jobs and occupations in the same sense. Okay, so um, and and so part of what I'm trying to say is we need to reclaim the thoroughly Christian understanding of vocation. Alright, so it looks like we're going to get through the third scripture. We're probably going to have to end of time. I think we typically let out about 10 to 10, correct? Yeah. Alright, so let's look at the third scripture here. and then, uh, We've got the sheet, so we've kind of got the study notes. I don't know if all on here. So, 1 Corinthians 7, 17 through 24.
1: Nevertheless, each one should retain the place in life the Lord assigned to him, into which God is called him. This is the rule I lay down in all the churches. Was a man already circumcised when he was called? He should not become uncircumcised. Was a, was a man uncircumcised when he was called? He should not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. Keeping God's command is what counts. Each one should remain in the situation which he is in when God called him. Were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you, although you can gain your freedom do so. If you can gain your freedom to do so. For he who was a slave when he was called by the Lord, if the Lord is the Lord's free man. Similarly, he who was a free man when he was called is Christ's slave. You were you were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men, brothers. Each man as responsible to God should remain in the situation God called. Him. All right. So I have several
0: questions and comments, and we'll uh, close our time. So, so just to keep this reading of this. Does this mean that we should not see our own better? And is it you know, should there be university at all? You know? Uh, should do I to stay at home with my parents? Uh, that's no, that's no, that's no, that's <laughs> you going to be a
1: career,
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So but so what is it what is it really what is it really pointing to in terms of uh, our <clears throat> contentment or Um, Are are going after degrees and
1: things.
0: So, if you look, if you go back into the notes, I was kind of saving this for this for this particular moment. So, as an engineer, there were many years, about ten years. where I said to people, you know, I'm a Christian engineer. And they had groups. You know, <clears throat> then I became a physician. And, and, uh, then I was a Christian physician. So, you know, you know, Christian, you know, and I observed the Christian Medical and Medical Then it hit me one day. This was part of the epiphany along the way is, is the core of my identity what I do? You know, guys especially. The gals to a certain extent, but guys, you, know, you get to know someone. You know, oh, what do you do? Where do you work? It is, it is lean. Okay? Those are common kinds of questions and conversations. But quite frankly, you know, the epiphany was, uh, you know, I was an engineer Christian at one point, a Christian engineer, and now I am in a physician Christian. Because if the core of my identity is not in Christ, okay, then I'm misunderstanding God's call. Are, are you with me? So when we look at a passage like we just read, okay, and, and part of the reason I told you the story I just told you is is to say this. Um, in my residency, my wife was perfectly miserable. I drove her a thousand miles away from any first-degree military. and uh, of course, <clears throat> as a resident physician, I was ten years older than most of the people that I was rubbing shoulders with. You know, I was, uh, you know, and, and with a you know family, and, and also I was trying to balance all these kinds of things. And so, I happened across a couple of articles. Just to be reading articles of the same current in General American medical. First one was uh, about, you know, just divorce statistics and positions, and they're pretty, fairly high. And I kind of read that one, uh, and, you know, it was pretty depressing. But the second one was a pretty good article, it caught my attention. And, and it was entitled The Psychology of Postponement in the Christian Marriage. And it had a little quote from Euripides. Uh, the author the place, It's out of a Christian psychiatry practice. <clears throat> but the quote from Euripides was, and the fool has this to add, he's always preparing for the design. So that was pretty ripping. So I took the article home and I read it to my wife. And I said, you know, and so I was expecting, you know, let's, 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 let's make some decisions, let's kind of get, you know, a handle on some of this. I said, can you identify? And the response was not what I expected. The response was anger. <laughs> Can I identify? We're living this. Okay. And so another another piece of the puzzle kind of fell in place. And so really, what I'm trying to say to you is uh, that's as much of what Paul is talking about here okay. is understanding the core of your identity. It's not about a call in your life that might lead you to other training. It is not pursuing training for training's thing and these were some of the things then, that began to bring me to the point where I tear down, um, you know, all these expectations. I, I didn't do; I disappointed my mentor, okay? uh, but exited honorably. Okay? But I didn't, you know, stay there. Okay? I I say this, this is pretty much true, but I, I say this. But my wife did come to me and say something similar. And uh, I felt like this. is uh, Can't you take me somewhere where the lone star flies at the courthouse? <laughs> <laughs> right. And so we did come home, okay, and, and I didn't do all of the things that were there. And that's really what Paul was talking about. State that you're in. And so there is there is a bit of discernment required, and that's why this is a worthy to topic to talk about. And fairly transparently, I'm going to tell you I didn't do it all completely right. Um, it is 10:10, or actually 10:11. If that, and I think that's pretty close to my watch. Um, I wasn't sure how far we were going to get. We got a little less, uh, you know, territory covered than what I thought like. the best is at the time. Because we're going to start really following what You've got some notes here. You can look up some of the things. You see the references. These are good books. Uh, in terms of people who have written pretty pretty well on this topic, just to tell So, quick words from you guys before before I close out. Father, we bow and humbly acknowledge that all we are we have from you. Lord James tells us that every good and perfect gift comes down from you Lord, I pray that we ponder that and understand it. And then, Lord, that we um, become your image in a renewed and special way. The way you created us with the gifts and calling that uh, you have given us. In Christ's name I pray.